get vaccinated, the better choice, or get tested weekly. The public health arguments are falling flat on me. This is about our recovery. Don't want to see us go back to how things were. Non-FDA approved vaccination is a personal choice. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news stories? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one conversation with our reporters every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Hello, welcome to the News 4 Debrief. I'm Michael Gorgiulo, in for David Ushry. Well, with the Delta variant driving COVID cases, cities, states, and the federal government, the resorting to vaccine mandates to fight the spread. And now the famed New York restaurateur, Danny Meyer, has mandated that his employees have to be vaccinated, as well as the diners at his popular restaurants. So the debate is on, and we're going to talk to a group representing teachers who argue the government can't force them to take what they say is an experimental medicine. We're also going to hear from a doctor who says it's our last chance to keep the U.S. from sliding back to the lockdowns of 2020. And are these mandates legal? Well, a Rutger professor lays out the law. Now, there's pushback to these vaccine mandates from people who say this is about control and not science, and also that by putting in place these mandates, it also violates their rights as Americans. Among those are Michael Caine. Michael Caine is the founder of New York Teachers for Choice. Michael, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me today. All right, tell me about New York Teachers for Choice, why you founded the group, and and what your position is on mandates. My union, uh, the UFT, which is the New York City's teacher union, was threatening to go on strike if things weren't safe in New York City schools. They avoided that by bringing in a massive COVID testing program. Um, And and I formed uh, this union caucus at that time. We weren't opposed to the testing, uh, but we were opposed to that it was mandatory, uh, random, and you had no choice in where you can get tested. You had to use the contracted vendor in the city. And if you didn't, you replaced the unpaid leave, uh, which was quite unprecedented. So we felt the caucus was necessary to make sure we were fighting for the civil liberties of teachers and now for all city employees. All right, well, let's start with the mandate itself. The mandate says either you get the vaccination or you get the test. Uh, And the argument's very simple. This protects the public health. These are teachers in school with not only other adults, but lots of children. Why not accept this proposal, test or get the immunization? I'm not sure what we're accepting. Uh, We haven't seen all of the details yet. Uh, Who provides the testing? Is the testing going to come at the cost of union members? Um, In addition to that, the CDC and other uh, medical bodies have stated that asymptomatic testing uh, is fairly inaccurate. So I am concerned about that. But I'm not 100% against testing. I am against testing if they're putting it out as a carrot to coerce us to get this vaccine, which is hardly a year old, which there are issues with. Um, And that's what it seems like. It seems like the testing isn't being set up as a fair, reasonable option. It's being set up as a barrier and as a way to say, look at how tough your life is now. Might as well just get the shot. And I believe that type of coercion uh, is certainly immoral, but uh, also illegal. Michael, the argument is pretty simple. This is a virus that has killed more than 600,000 Americans, more than 25,000 New Yorkers, and is raging with this Delta variant. Vaccinated people 
are safer than unvaccinated people. We want vaccinated people in front of our children. What could be the problem with this? Well, the number one thing I'm against with this is this is such a new product. We still don't know all of the risks and to whom these risks are going to be the most serious. In terms of the vaccine, it has shown efficacy. It has shown that it's working to a certain extent. But we are now seeing Pfizer itself is saying we need boosters every six months. And some of that is coming from data. We have data out of Israel, the United Kingdom, and other places that are showing the vaccines of efficacy is waning. I also feel that New York City schools in particular and others have shown that they've been able to function safely without a forced vaccine mandate. But what we also also have seen is that with the Delta variant, 97% of the hospitalizations are among the unvaccinated. So there is demonstrably a measure of protection that is put out by this. And once again, I say, as a, if I were a parent with kids in New York City public schools, and they said, here's your choice, an unvaccinated teacher, a vaccinated teacher. I'm going with the vaccinated teacher. We are also seeing many breakthrough cases of COVID in the vaccinated. One example is we had six Democrats in Texas who left Texas in a private jet together, not wearing masks. They all tested positive for, positive for COVID, even though they were all vaccinated. Nancy Pelosi had an aide who was in touch with them. The aide was also vaccinated. She came down with COVID. Uh, in New York State, we have at least 8,000 breakthrough cases that have happened. This vaccine is not stopping transmission. It does appear the data shows that it is stopping deaths and lessening hospitalizations. But if you're asking somebody or forcing someone to take a product that is still not fully FDA approved, and we're seeing that vaccinated people can spread this to vaccinated people, it's one of the reasons why I think the CDC brought back their mask mandate is because they're worried about maybe this vaccine isn't as efficacious as it once was. And when we bring all of this stuff together, I don't think the case is there for forcing, injecting this new product into the bloodstreams of unwilling people to keep your job. We inject things into people's bloodstreams all the time. In order for kids to go to school, they have to be immunized. There's a set of immunizations, MMR, Tdap, and the like. This legal experts say is just another addition. The state is fully and the city fully within their legal rights to require it. Not a product that's under emergency use authorization. When you talk legal about- Legal experts say yeah. that is a distinction unto the FDA does not impact the government's ability to issue a regulation. Uh, the federal law says that there needs to be a choice if it's under emergency use authorization. I, I do, there, there's a lot of fear right now and, and, and justifiably so. I understand that. I understand people uh, want to do what's best for everyone. But some of the public health arguments are falling flat on me, and I'll tell you why. If there was really, truly, that this argument of forcing these vaccines on employees was all about public health, why are we not also letting those who have natural immunity be given the same privileges as those who are vaccinated? There's a number of studies that have just come out that show that natural immunity is long-lasting and is actually superior to vaccine immunity. So the fact that we're not talking about that makes me very suspect that this argument is all about public health. Michael Kane, what are you going to do? The mayor is giving you the choice, vaccination or test. What's your, what's your choice? 
I still need to see exactly what is on the table here. I don't know where the testing is going to happen. I don't know who I will have to test with. I don't know if I will have to pay for the test. There's still a lot on uh, the table. So I haven't made that decision. I'll be making that decision with my family uh, and with the doctors and health professionals that, that I trust and have relationships with. Michael Kane, founder of New York Teachers for Choice. I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate it. Why vaccine mandates and why now? To get some answers, we want to talk to the Dean of CUNY School of Public Health, Dr. Eamon El Mohandis. Dr. Mohandis, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Why the mandates, why now, and are they effective in your view? Mandates are intended to ensure safety uh, in the workplace or in environments where people are congregating uh, within an environment where you cannot control how close they are to each other. Uh, the idea here is to ensure that the virus is not propagating in this environment. Basically, we are talking about uh, people either being vaccinated or if they have a reason not to be medical or otherwise, that they have been tested and are testing negative uh, in the workplace, in the school, in a hospital where doctors and nurses are exposed to sick patients or in a school where a teacher is exposed to children. We are trying to ensure a safe environment where people are not unknowingly exposed to the virus or minimizing the risk as best we can. We have seen big pushback from people who are saying this is government overreach on a public health policy. Overreach. You're forcing me to take a medicine to put something into my body. What do you say to people about that? You know, uh, this is a conversation that comes up over and over and over. Our children need to have a vaccination certificate to go to school. Uh, people working in hospitals like myself had to be immunized on a regular basis against specific diseases. This is not new, and this is what public health is about, that you create an environment what is what is safe for all is safe for one. What is safe for one is safe for all. That's how we view this. I want to stop you right there because that this is exactly what people are pushing back against, saying, uh, I can't say what's safe for all is safe for me. Uh, they say this is unproven. This is new. The vaccine has just been out since December of last year. How can you, Dr. El Mohandis, tell me what's good for my family based on one year? We don't even know how long and what the long-term effects might be. Little do we remember the March of Dimes. Do you remember the polio epidemic in no. the United States? You were not born then, okay? Yes. So during the polio epidemic, the polio vaccine had never been tested. And everybody rushed to get their children immunized. Nobody knew, but we knew the devastating effects of the disease. And at that time, the vaccine was not tested. There are 145 million people that have received the vaccine in this country. Don't you think that we would have seen more complications? It is much safer to get the vaccine than to get the disease. Let's talk about school children. You're a pediatrician. You have an interest in the health. We have 1.1 million public school children in New York City and thousands of others who attend private schools as well. Um, there is going to be a debate over whether their teachers must be immunized. City says yes now. Some of those teachers are saying, no, we, we don't want to do that. What do you say to them, especially in the setting of our schools? We just talked about safety, okay? 
the children at the present moment, uh, those that are below the age of 12, do not have the privilege of being immunized. We are trying our level best to minimize the risk for these children. Anyone that's had a child, we know that no matter how much we emphasize safety behaviors, they are not going to be universal. You know, hand washing, distancing, even mask wearing uh, in little children is not going to be 100% foolproof. We are trying to protect these children, and it is part of the stewardship from teachers to these children that we create the best environment for them and the safest environment. Finally, I want to ask you, as the leader of a school of public health, um, how frustrating and or challenging is it that here is this virus, it has taken so many lives, 25,000 plus in New York City, 600,000 plus across our country, and yet we are engaged in this great debate over whether we should vaccinate. Again, as I said, this is not the first time that we encounter this public response. Public health does have an element of a communal responsibility and enforcing a communal response. People are not always uh, very welcoming of that. But then people, when they see the merits of the public health action, generally understand. In this particular case, we're talking, for example, about school children, and we're talking about the safest for our children. It is part of our advocacy, number one. Number two, if these children are propagating the virus amongst themselves because they are unvaccinated, there is a chance that another Delta and Gamma and Epsilon all sorts of potential mutations can occur so long as this virus is propagating. And what we're trying to do is, is stop it and create an iron curtain where the virus cannot access our community anymore. Dr. Mohandis, I want to thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, we've heard people offer their opinions as to what the law is regarding mandating COVID vaccinations. But what is the law regarding COVID vaccinations? For that, let's talk to a legal expert, Professor Alan Hyde of Rutgers Law School. He's an expert on employment law, global labor law, immigration law, among other things. And Professor, we want to thank you very much for joining us to discuss this topic. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me. Okay, so start with the broadest question possible. Does a government, state, local, or federal, have the legal right to put a mandate into effect for vaccinations? State and local governments very clearly. This has been clear in the law for a long time. Supreme Court established that in 1905 in a case involving smallpox vaccination. Now, opponents have said, you can't force me to make a medical decision for myself. You can't force me to put something in my body. Well, that's probably true, but you can, uh, what governments certainly can do is uh, disable you from doing other things if you've made that choice not to be vaccinated. Uh, uh, governments can fine you for not being vaccinated. They can keep you out of uh, various kinds of employment or contact with uh, individuals. Uh, they can keep school children from uh, going to school if they haven't had their shots. Professor, another argument that is being made is that it's impossible to enforce a mandate legally because right now the three vaccines that are in use here in the United States are done under an emergency use authorization. They're not fully authorized. Therefore, I shouldn't be subject to a mandate. The emergency, that has nothing to do with what governments can require, state and local governments, or with what employers can require. 
the legal basis for uh, state and local government vaccination requirements, as I said, goes back to 1905. The practice goes back to 1828. Uh, emergency use authorization just governs uh, the FDA. It uh, comes into the law in 2004, but it doesn't have anything to do with individual rights. You're an expert in labor law. A lot of the unions have said here, well, if you want to talk to us about a mandate, it has to be negotiated separately in a collective bargaining agreement or as a rider to a collective bargaining agreement. You just can't impose it on unionized employees. Is that the case? Uh, probably. It's a good, it would be a good practice. It's always a good practice to negotiate with the, uh, with the union if it's, if it's possible, depending on whether it's really an emergency or not. Uh, certainly the... Um, the unions that represent most of America's teachers, the, uh, the big ones, the, uh, the NEA and the American Federation of Teachers, are strong supporters of vaccination. And of Let's talk about school children. Now, uh, there's a discussion now as to whether when these vaccines become available for children 12 and under, uh, say as, as young as five years old, a, a school system might mandate it in the same way they mandate MMR, Tdap vaccinations, would that be something you could see would hold up in court? Uh, absolutely. There'd be, no, there'd be no legal difference. There might be a health difference. Uh, uh, as you say, right now, we have no vaccinations for small children. But if we did have approved vaccinations for small children, uh, children under 12, the, the legally would be no different from, as you say, every, every one of the 50 states requires school children to get their shots. Uh, usually polio, usually rubella, usually measles, almost all, actually in every state tetanus shots, but this would be no different. All right. So now I have to say I'm confused because you're basically saying, look, the government, state, especially state and, and, and municipal governments and school systems as well, they can impose this. It's not really a big legal debate. So I say to you, OK, so why is there a big legal debate over whether they can do this? Uh, I don't think it is a legal debate. What's the debate between disease and health? Uh, I, I'm in favor of health. Uh, I'm not in favor of disease. Uh, I don't call that a debate. If you want to call that a debate, that's up to you. So are we, in essence, as a layman, are we in a situation where, yeah, there's a lot of threats, there's a lot of protests, there's a lot of people speaking up, but when this goes starts going through the court system, you believe uh, the governments and those wishing to impose these mandates will have success? Yeah, sure. There, there, federal law gives you two, gives some people, very few people, very narrow rights to reasonable accommodation. It's not vac federal vaccine law, it's federal discrimination law. Um, if, you're, um, uh, on, on, if you're not getting vaxxed because of religious objections, the employer may have to give you reasonable accommodation. Uh, or if you can show that you're disabled and can't get vaxxed, the employer may have to give you reasonable accommodation. But they don't have to just allow you to come to work unvaccinated. The reasonable accommodation could be working at home or working with segregation or working with masks, something of that kind. There's not a lot of law on that yet. So those are the two very narrow rights that discrimination law gives some people to uh, resist vaccination, but uh, most people have no such, uh, no such protection. Life gives us many situations in which we have to make difficult choices between liberty and safety. This is not one of them. Uh, vaccinations and masks are very effective, and when you put them in, it increases liberty. What's the alternative? The alternative is the kind of shutdowns we saw early in the pandemic, where everybody's uh, liberty is infringed and nobody's free to go out, have public gatherings and the like. As vaccinations and as masks spread, 
our liberty increases, our liberty to do the kinds of things we want, and we become more safe. So this is just not one of those hard philosophic choices that we have to make. But this is what we hear from people all the time is if we let the government do this, then what's next year? What will they require next year for us? Right. They require us to stop at stop signs, for example, even though sometimes we'd rather not. Uh, the employer can require you to clock in at uh, eight o'clock in the morning. And that's a major uh, restriction on your your liberty. If you feel like you'd have the prefer to have the liberty to stay in bed until 10. Uh, the employer doesn't have to recognize that liberty. The employer can say, well, I guess in this in that case, this is not the right job for you. What about what's coming down now? And it's not an issue as much in, in New York State, but it could be an issue in other states. I have a uh, I have a delicatessen and I say I only want to let vaccinated people in. The state says, no, you can't do that. Do, would I have a right as a business owner to say I, I, I want to let only vaccinated people in my place of business? Well, that, that I say, that's the legal that's the legal unknown. It would depend on the precise state legislation. Uh, these vary from from state to state. They're not very well drafted. They're full of lawyer issues. Uh, that's one the lawyers will have to have fun with. Uh, but okay. as you say, it doesn't apply in the New York area. We don't we don't have any laws like that around here. Professor, I want to thank you very much uh, for taking the time to talk to us today and laying out uh, the legal arguments as they go forward. Thanks again. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. For now, the vaccine mandates are going into effect, so the battle over COVID intensifies as well as the battle against it. We thank you for listening, and we thank our production team, Melissa Mack, Darren Price, and Ben Berkowitz. I'm your host, Michael Gorgiulo, in for David Ushery. We'll check you out the next time on The Debrief.